This is Alana Krauss, and I'm joined by my father, Lee Krauss. We are a father-daughter duo who have been studying critical thinking and decision-making patterns through surveys, personal experience, and interviews with some amazing people to create a how-to guide to help you make better decisions by harnessing your critical thinking skills. All of these learnings have been documented in our book, and this podcast reviews these concepts chapter by chapter. Each chapter is covered in a different podcast, so it's okay to listen out of order, but it is recommended to start from the beginning and go from there. If you're interested in your story being featured on future podcasts, please reach out by visiting our website, www.recalculating.me. We hope you enjoy today's episode about active thinking along the way. Active thinking is about having your head in the game and being able to take things as they come. It's about being engaged along the journey so that when opportunities or detours arise, you don't feel like a deer in the headlights. I think you hit it right on there. Head in the game is what this one's about. Use the skills all the time and be uh, on the outlook, look out for opportunity. So let's dive into it. So um, I think it's really easy. Everyone uh, faces it along their journey wondering how they're doing, are they making wrong turns, have they made mistakes, you know, what did I learn from what path that I've taken, and always questioning yourself, get into indecision and things of that nature. And I think active thinking says you have skills, you have your backpack, let's use them. I think simply stated, let's use them and let's go on this journey, you know, and I think people need to really understand that it's okay to go in the wrong direction. It's okay to learn from it, right? As long as you're not making the same mistake twice, it's all great. And I think that in a lot of times, you can learn as much from making the right decision as you can from the wrong decision. And they really fundamentally comes down to being able to understand when you had enough data to realize this was not the path that I want to be on and change it. And the same thing, go ahead. Well, I was going to say too, for me, A big thing with active thinking is about being actively engaged in your decision making process and your goal setting and really understanding yourself, how you make decisions so that when things come up, opportunity arises, something doesn't go your way. It doesn't feel like, wow, I have to start back from ground zero and I feel super lost and just frozen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a really good point. And it even goes a step further is don't be afraid of making mistakes. You know, always make sure that you understand the risk that you're taking in. You try to mitigate those risks and then it's okay to go forward as long as you're learning along the way. What worked? What didn't work? What would I do differently in the future? You're always going to be okay. And I think that becomes really important because being able to take risk. And when I say risk, it's not close your eyes and jump off the cliff. It's understanding, you know, you've mitigated it. You understand the situation that you're in and you're willing to move forward and you have a backup plan if it doesn't work. And if you do that every time, every time you're going to be successful and success may not occur at that instant. It's just around. It's just around the river bend. Yeah. I think with this active thinking along the way, if we break it down and relate it to like the types of decision makers, like whether you be explorers or planners or driven by your passions, active thinking is so important because 
you want to constantly be gauging where am I headed? Am I enjoying this? Am I in the right direction? All these things, you constantly want that information being bounced back at you so that you can make a change as soon as possible, you know, and not kind of dilly-dally on your journey. Right. And I I think, let's be clear on that. I'm not saying every second you should be thinking, you know, actively about it. But as new data comes in, is really what we're looking at. As new data comes in, is that enough to reevaluate? Is it a warning light going on? Is it uh, a green light that everything's going great, keep moving forward? And just being aware of those things and listening and taking part in decision making, always looking at is it getting you down the road? Are you moving down the road? Are there shortcuts that you need? Do you need to pivot? And those things should be happening and almost become what I like to say is intuition. You get the feeling that things aren't going right and you need to make a change. And when you look at the data and you look at it against their scaffolding, you can see obviously what happened and what you can do to get back on track because it could be a simple push to the right or left, or do you really need to pivot and make a change? And I think those are so important. When we're talking about active thinking, we're looking at the big picture of things, not every second of the day wondering, should I change my mind or do stuff? And in fact, if you find yourself in that indecision state, I think it's really an indicator to you to go and look at what are the data points that I need to make either a yay or a nay decision and then use that to move forward. I think mm-hmm. that's an indicator of you got to change your thought process right there when you mm-hmm. feel that deer in the headlights come on. For sure. And I think that is really aligned to some of the feedback we got during our interviews. So related to this idea of how do you know when you're supposed to be pivoting, especially when unexpected things go up? And it's related to thinking about, you know, what's in your backpack as these sort of puzzle pieces that can fit together and evaluate the ones you know for sure, you know the ones that are aligned with who you are, what are your values, where you want to go. If things are aligned with those core values, it's okay to keep pushing, right? Like we had said before, keep pushing. If it turns out to be the wrong decision, it's not the end of the world, right? You can pivot, but it's better to to make progress moving forward than to just feel so stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it comes down also, you, you can learn a lot from the wrong decision as much as you can from the right decision. And unfortunately, we're not always going to be right. So as long as you're learning along the way, you're going to be in a good position. And I think that when we look at these puzzle pieces, you're really looking at things that you can control versus things that you can't control. And over time, the full picture is going to come in. So when you think about this, it's really what do I control? What information do I have? And how do I make the most of it? I think is the key point that we're saying here. And I definitely agree with you in that you want to make sure you keep true to yourself, keep true to your values, keep true to your family values, work values, ethics. All those things continue to play in and in that decision process. And, you know, for myself, you know, I mean, I can look at it and I see, you know, in my personal life, you know, I had a, a really good job, but I was looking for change. I didn't really like the area that I was in. And I was going to decide I was going to look for jobs elsewhere. And I had a really good opportunity to, it was in Texas someplace. I was living in Florida in the time. And right before I was, you know, dealing with the headhunter and working out the details of this job, one of my coworkers set me up with uh, on a date. 
and I met this person and it was turned out to be the love of my life and just glad that I said, well, wait a minute, let me just hold off on making any career decisions right now because my personal life and family and things of like that were also important to me. I'd worked really, really hard for 30 years. I was doing fantastic in my uh, career, but you know, as far as my long-term view of things, the career wasn't gonna be everything. And so this was a case where when I looked at everything that was happening around me and I could say, hey, am I keeping true to my core values? Is my work the most important thing or are there other things? I think that really plays into making it all work come together. I love that story. I, I feel like that story resonates with me and a lot of people too, but especially if you associate as a planner, you feel like, all right, I'm planning out my career. I have this place to jump to that I think will be a great call. And you're kind of getting on that boat. I think for a lot of people, it's hard when things come up last minute to decide, wait a second, I'm not going on that boat. But for you, you were able to prioritize what's important to you, what your values were. So it didn't feel like this do or die decision. It became pretty clear to you what your heart and head wanted, you know? Absolutely. It also just shows that you always need to have that work-life balance. Just yeah. you don't want to always be one-dimensional. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think too, moving into our next topic, that's more focused on leveraging your backpack in the decision process. I think there's also tools that you have where let's say you don't have that gut check of, oh, this is the right decision. That's okay, right? And there's tools that can help you come to that decision if you don't feel like it's so clear to you. So, I mean, I think the the point that you're making there is that you need to take advantage of the tools that you have, whether it's in your backpack, understanding your skills, even your mentors or people that you can go to, advisors for advice, all that plays into active thinking. And it comes down to, again, understanding the data point you're looking at and using that to determine, do I have to make a change? You know, One of the examples that we had in interviews were people whether determining whether they wanted to go back to school or not. They've been real successful, but continually hitting the wall that you couldn't go any further without this type of degree or that type of degree. So this person was doing extremely well, but realized if she wanted to move forward in the finance world, that she ultimately had to get either a degree in finance or an MBA in finance and had to decide if that's the way she wanted to go, move forward in that. And so I think that, again, when you look at your backpack, you can say, do I have the skill set to go on and get another degree? Do I have the skill set to be retrained? Do I have the skill set to jump back into a field that I left in the past? All those things are in your backpack and you can take advantage of them based on the opportunity that's in front of you. So if you've been in the field of finance or administration for years and years and you wanna go back into research, you have your PhD in research, you can always jump back into it and do it. And so I think those are the things that really come into play, looking what's in your backpack and leveraging it in the decision process. That's what it's there for. I also think that looking to people that at your advisors or your network to try to get people that have done similar things and understand how did what was their outcome. What do you feel about like the concept of growth mindset in terms of what's in your backpack? 
So I think that's good. I think that from a standpoint that you're talking, taking inventory of what's in your backpack and seeing if there's other skills that you can build on to help you make a shortcut. Is that kind yeah. of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think yeah. that's very true. So when you look at where you are and how you're progressing in your field, uh, whether or not you should go get an MBA or whether or not you should get a master's degree or whether you should go and rank, take a you know, a business school course or certificate. I think it really comes down to how best do you learn? I think there's people that get immense value out of taking classes and getting certificates. I think there's other people that just strive to do the work and understand and learn on their own, right? And I think it comes down to based on the organization that you're in, what's the shortcut that's going to allow you to be more effective, right? So if you are in the quest of yearning for knowledge and you want to become a disruptive innovator, right? And so you want to take a class in disruptive innovation from a, a school. I think that's a great thing. Or if you are a young entrepreneur and you just want to dive into a new company and learn it along the way, I think that's okay too, right? Again, level of risk. And what's going to get you to where you want to be in six months, a year, two years, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. how best do you learn? I think another thing, too, in terms of leveraging your backpack in the decision-making process, a big thing that we saw during interviews of very successful people is that along the journey, they constantly question if they were the right fit for a job or opportunity that came their way. And I think your backpack is a great tool to help support and validate yourself during the process. So you don't like convince yourself that you're actually not meant for this role or that this opportunity came your way, but you don't think you'd actually do well with it to take a hard look more objectively about your skills to convince yourself. No, actually look at these tools you have, you know, or experiences in your journal. And that is going to help set you up for success so you don't doubt yourself and fall into imposter syndrome and and things like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because when we go and look to hire people, we come up with a job description and we throw in the kitchen sink. We put everything we ever think could put on that job description. Right. Do we think we're going to get one person that does everything? Probably not. But it's just giving out a feeler of the type of person, type of work that we're going to do or we want. And I think that it's really important when you or somebody looks at it. Am I the right person for this job? They can look and see how they can do this job, what's in their backpack that aligns, what have they done in the past that's going to allow them to succeed. I think those become the biggest indicators of success. And for you, it's very easy to say, I can't. But when you look in your backpack and realize all the things that you can do, all the things that you have done, right, it's very easy to see that you can succeed in this position. You've done similar things and you can sell yourself into it. I think that's one thing that I think is so key is looking at all the things that you can do, focus on what you can do and put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work out, you still put your best foot forward and learn from it. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that most opportunities come your way because in some shape or form, you're qualified, you know, or someone had some reason to think of reaching out to you for it. So it's not Mm -hmm. random as you might think. And more often than not, we're looking for somebody that can think and Mm -hmm. we're willing to train them to do what we want them to do Mm -hmm. versus we don't know what we're doing. We want someone to lead the the boat. Mm -hmm. So think about it that way. Great point. And I think also with active thinking, a big aha for me that sort of helps take the pressure off of decision making is this idea that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make bad decisions as long as you don't make that same bad decision twice and to learn from the bad, but also from the good. 
I think that's so good. I can give so many examples of that. So in a company that we started, we had some very, very successful people on um, my board. And I always thought that what they were telling me had to be right because they were super successful. So they must know what they're doing. And then when I really started looking at the data and understanding where they're coming from, they were making decisions based on things that happened to them and not looking at the real problem that we were facing. And so a lot of times the decisions or advice they were giving me really didn't make sense and for the product that we were developing. And it took me a long time to realize that, wait a minute, these people can be really successful. They can be supportive of me. But at the end of the day, I need to do what I feel is right for the company. And I think that's something that I learned in one of my early ventures that now I put forward in everything that I do, understanding what people's strengths and weaknesses are. And just because you're super successful in a particular company doesn't mean you know more about what's happening and down in the, the trenches. And I think that becomes real important. So that's not falling into the same problem twice. I also think that it's very easy to see in business whether you fail because you were unable to market the product. Well, don't fall into that again. Realize you need better marketing. Or if you feel that you're going to develop products and you're going to build a market and you realize, well, wait a minute, I need to meet someplace in the middle, knowing a customer that's going to purchase it in advance before we spend our money building a product that nobody wants. And I think those are the things that start to play in in how do you learn from what happened and take advantage of that experience in your backpack and your journal to make better decisions moving forward. I think those become really key. I think those are some great examples that helps put it in perspective. And I think this concept even applies to smaller scale stories too. figuring out how to best study for a class. It's going to be a trial period of understanding what works and what doesn't work. But let's say, you know, you study with this specific study group for the month before an exam and take the exam. You shouldn't just jump back into the study group like nothing happened. Take a hard look. Like, was it the study group? Was it that during the study group, you guys were mostly, you know, like ordering food and having that come in? Or is it that the study group was filled with people who kind of walked you through it and you weren't actively engaging in the material? So to not just jump back in because obviously something didn't work and you have to optimize for that situation. Yeah, that's so perfect. And, you know, it also comes down to just because you spend a lot of time studying doesn't mean that that's the right answer. It's what you're getting out of studying, how to be more efficient, right? How to take the shortcut, right? Yeah. How to get the maximum out of it is the most important thing. Not I can study and read this 10 times, take notes and thing, but never do a problem and realizing on the test, all they're asking you to do is do problems. You're not yeah. helping yourself. you got to change. Well, that's what I love about active thinking is because it applies to your life in so many different ways. Like, yes, we're talking a lot about big picture decision making and, you know, achieving your goals. But even on a day-to-day -day basis, reminding you that every day you have a choice whether or not to actively engage with material, whether that be people, right? Are you actually there? Are you actually getting signal and interacting? Same with like, you know, for school, that material, like you mentioned, are you just going through the gestures? And I know it's a hard thing to actually do that reflection. Like I went through that same phase in college where I felt like, how dare you even assume that I'm not engaging with the material? I'm going to office hours every day. I'm spending hours. I'm up so late doing all my work. And for me, it really took a lot for me to take that hard look and realize, okay, you know what? 
I'm doing a lot, but big picture, I'm not engaging with the material at the level I need to be. I'll try the problem, but if I don't get it, you know, a couple minutes in, I'll immediately look at the solution or I'll ask someone for help instead of me really pushing through. And I think for each person, there's going to be a calibration to what active thinking actually feels like and looks like in these different areas of your life. So, so funny you say it. So for me, sometimes vacuuming is the best time for me to do my active thinking. Really? I have time that my mind's relaxed. I can look at all the data that's come in for a particular problem and say, am I on the right track? What do I have to do? Should I pivot? And it's this moment of I kind of let everything clear out. And all of a sudden now I can start to see all the data points coming in and it becomes very clear what my next action is. So sometimes you just have to disengage for a second and really look at what's out there and ultimately determine what really is the way to go. And I think mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting. Everybody's different. Sometimes yeah. it just pops into my head. Sometimes I have to vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone is different. Yeah, and, and I guess for you then you're never gonna get a robot vacuum cleaner because you really need that time. <laughs> Good point, Lana. (laughs) And I think big picture too, this concept of active thinking really helps you to build intuition about your decision making because you, in a way, are getting to know yourself better, how you're thinking about things, how you're going about problems. You become familiar so you can trust those gut checks and you can even identify that when those like gut reactions are happening. I, I can't stress this point more than anything else in the book is building intuition. And everything that we talked about is giving you a roadmap to do that. And really when you think about intuition, it's if it took you three weeks to make a decision, right? And you can go back and look at it and realize in at day two, I really had enough information to make that decision and then use that in the future, your intuition is kicking in. And you'll see how quickly it looks out. I cannot tell you, people can give me a business idea and very quickly I can tell what's their strength, what's their weaknesses and whether or not they're going to succeed. And it's just, it just jumps right out at you, it comes to you. And I think it's just from doing it enough times, understanding the data points that matter, it's like intuition, it just pops out at you. And I think when you get to that point, everything that we talked about in the book has come about. When you get to the point where someone tells you something and you can say, oh, you're definitely making the right decision because of this, you know you're really active thinking at that point. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think too, there's some trust associated with active thinking and, and the intuition side. Like if I think back to my decision between grad school and industry, I mean, along the way, I definitely had little blips of this feeling that industry would be better, but I, not that I didn't trust myself enough, but it was just a little bit terrifying for me to just make this huge decision based off of this little blip. So I feel like understanding that this takes time, but awareness helps accelerate that. So now when those little blips happen, I'm more in tune to like, hey, let me pick up on the signal and not just blitz over it. So so on that one, I think either route you took, you would have been successful, but you definitely made the right one. And industry was a much better fit for what you wanted to do than... And the balance I wanted, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting. Good point. Finding shortcuts 
is a key concept that we talk about a lot. And I think it's really worth digging in to really understand what that means and how to apply it. It sounds like, does that mean I get to cheat? No, you don't get to cheat at all. But what you are doing is being smart about your decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we've talked to a number of people. One of the things to me that jumps out a lot, and I hear it so many times in companies I'm involved in, is this whole concept of we have to build a prototype and we, we need to get the prototype out and then show it to our customers, right? And this is how much it's going to cost to do and we're going to get it out by this date and then we're going to go raise money or we're going to get, you know, we're going to hit profit in two to three weeks. And I'm like, you know, did we ever think about why don't we go to those customers now and see if we can get them to pay for a prototype, see if we can get them so excited about what we're doing that they're willing to put skin in the game. And in doing that, not only are we getting a customer with skin in the game, right? They're giving us requirements of what they need. And if we're successful, we have a customer. The other way, I built something, I'm in love with it. I got to find a customer that loves it as much as me. And when that customer says, we really love it, but I'd like it to do X, Y, and Z, I say, but I've already spent all my money. The shortcut here is instead of going and jumping in to build a prototype, go ahead and spend the time looking to find customers that are willing to pay for a prototype, willing to put skin in the game with you in order to be successful. That's a real shortcut mm-hmm. and real way to success. Yeah. And I think, too, another example is just using shortcuts to help supplement for different skills or experiences that you may not have at that very moment to accelerate your your journey. So for example, um, during one of our interviews, we were talking about a very successful author and now professor, and he was saying that he looks for shortcuts to gain experiences and to get advice quickly. So for him, it was like, well, why should I be the one reading and studying this 200 page contract for the first time when I could hire a lawyer that specializes in that area to allow you to move quickly where you can still gain general knowledge about like why we need to evaluate this and big picture concepts. But you're not just stuck in this time sink where it's out of your arena, but it's also an arena you don't even want to be in or need to be in. That's not how you're going to make your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you're planning to go to law school, that's not how you're going to make your money. So I think that's a really good one. I, I also think that, you know, it comes down to risk versus reward in in choosing that shortcut. The case that you gave with getting your attorney to read to develop your specialized in uh, going over a document, I think is a great shortcut to take. The startup, the looking for somebody that's willing to give you a proof of concept, prototype, pay for it, is a great shortcut. I also think that you can think about it at work. Yeah. When you're given a project, right, and looking at what really is the best way to solve this problem. Definitely with work, I mean, I can't tell you the number of projects that I've been assigned where at first glance, I feel like this is totally not in my wheelhouse. Like I have never done that before. I have no idea. There's a couple of different routes, right? You could just tap out and say, actually, no, not interested. But I mean, it's a great opportunity that's been given to you. You can also invest a ton of time in becoming the expert in what needs to happen. Or you can take a shortcut where you rely heavily on other experts in the company learn from them and be the collector of information from a big picture holistic standpoint 
so that you can make progress and move forward, you know, without having to get a PhD in this one area that's relevant to your project or something like that. I think that's a really good point. So you don't need to go get a PhD in chemistry when there's already PhDs in chemistry in the company that you can go tap and get your question answered. You don't have to figure everything out. You can leverage. And I think what you need to be able to do is be able to understand what someone's telling you and be able to gauge for yourself is what they're telling to you makes sense. And is that direction you want to move in or do you want a second opinion? And I think all that plays into this whole concept of shortcuts and advisors and, and how you want to play the game and be willing to pivot. I think that all plays in. And at the end of the day, the more you do with it, the more you learn from it, the more you have active think of involved along the way, you're building your intuition and you will be successful, right? Yeah. On that path. For sure. And I think, you know, with active thinking, we definitely covered a, a lot of different concepts in this specific podcast. But I think it's just great to start seeing those synergies and how these different aspects build upon each other. And, you know, I mean, active thinking is just so critical to staying engaged within your decision making process and your life in general. We hope that walking through these concepts and these examples really help you to reflect how you can better improve these active thinking skills in your life so that you can start to make better decisions, and be on your way to achieving your goals. Absolutely. And I think it's really setting them on the path. Great job. Happy recalculating. Happy recalculating.